0: really need to tell better stories, instead of complaining about it, right? What if we just start telling the stories and and really flood the airwaves with something different? Hey, welcome back to the podcast. And this past Sunday, uh, we started a new sermon series, Um, doing a series called You Only Live Once. Uh, I won't be the only one preaching we I kind of restructured uh, our preaching sequence um, back in January, and so I'm preaching about twice a month, two to three times a month. It seems like it varies. Originally, it was supposed to be like every other week, and then the staff uh, took turns filling in the other weeks. But it seems like you know people are on vacation and things get weird. So I'll preach like three, four weeks in a row, and then I won't preach for a couple of weeks. And but anyway, last week I started a new series called You Only Live Once, and it was kind of the intro to the series. We're doing a, it's a topical series. I don't do these a lot. I think I prefer to just preach out of, I think I prefer to just preach out of a book and move through it that way, or, you know, to take uh, a couple of chapters and just break it down verse by verse and preach through a series preach the verses through a series that way. Um, But I wanted to do something a little different this time. And I actually had this scheduled back in January, uh, sat down, worked on a year's worth of sermons, got all the titles, uh, scriptures on the books, and kind of a general idea where the series were going to go. So this one was actually scheduled to launch in September. So it was going to be like our back to school series, right? And then March came and COVID and some of the series that we had planned just didn't fit anymore. And just, so I just scrapped all those sermons and this one got bumped up for our summer series, which, you know, actually works out well, uh, cause we've started, uh, re-entry. So I think we're about week three or four, maybe week, maybe this might be week five coming up where we started, with in-person worship again, and so uh, we have about, I don't know, 30, anywhere between 25 and 35 in person on Sunday morning, which is about the max that our sanctuary can handle and still meet the guidelines for social distancing, Uh, and then we have, I think, like 50 online or so, so now that we've been meeting in person uh this has been a um this is, I think this is just gonna be an interesting one to do in person, and this week is don't let worry ruin it so we're continuing with this series and we're just gonna look at ways that you know if we only live once, how can we live this life fully and completely uh so this, the first like the intro sermon was. Of Deuteronomy chapter 30, uh, and then John 10, uh, where Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, and I have come to give you life and to give you fullness of life. And so, these are ways that how can we experience fullness of life or things that um, we embrace in life that detract from fullness of life. So, obviously, this week is worry and anxiety. We're going to look at the passage where Jesus says the road is narrow. What does that mean? Uh, There's a a parable that Jesus tells of a man who builds bigger barns. And Jesus says, don't be a fool. Tonight your life will be uh, taken from you. And so we're going to look at what it means to be a fool and how we can allow that to Distract from the fullness of life, our foolishness. We're talking about being a, setting a better example in this life. And then the last one is let gratitude flow and how gratitude enhances and really brings about fullness of life in Christ. So obviously we're going to look at the scriptures, what Jesus has to say about these. Uh, most of these are going to be in the gospels, uh, with the, with the exception of the intro series. Um, although I did Deuteronomy 30 and then brought in uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 10. So our key verses were Deuteronomy 30, verse 4. I'm I'm just going to read these out of the NIV. I actually preached out of the CEB, which I think is Common English Bible. It's a newer translation, and I'm enjoying preaching out of it. Uh, The CEB is especially the one that I got, actually my teaching pastor here at Devonair, um, she actually gave it to me and it's a Wesleyan study Bible. So all the study notes are uh, Wesleyan theological perspectives. And I'm really enjoying this book uh, or this edition. matter of fact, I'll put uh, a link in the show notes. Um, so if you want to check that out, check that uh, translation as well as that study Bible out. And, I'm enjoying it. It's almost as if uh, the CEB is like the new NIV. I know there's actually a new NIV. There's today's NIV or whatever. But but it's almost... So the NIV, the original uh, translation, I think was released in 1984. And it was so popular because it was just common vernacular. It, it was um, relatable and... I think that's why the CEB is the same. It's a newer, uh, maybe, anyway, I know it's in the 2000s. I think it's 2012, 2015 that this translation has been around. But I'm finding that because of its modern-day vernacular, it's very helpful in preaching when you're preaching with people who are previously unchurched, uh, people who are new to the faith, and... And even for my own personal, I'm using it for my own personal devotions because it's, you know, I mean, I I came to faith in Christ in the early 90s, 1990s, and the NIV spoke so well to me, but a lot of it is embedded and I've memorized it in the NIV. And so I can read, uh, and I'm sure you have a translation that this happens to you if you've been a Christian for a while. You've read that passage so many times in that translation that uh you you can read it without even thinking about it, and so the c e b has made me slow down and pay attention to what the writer is saying of the of that text and uh and think about it again hear it in a different way hear it sometimes as if you're hearing it for the first time allow the spirit to really speak to you in a fresh way and so I'm enjoying it for both of those reasons one because I'm uh, the congregation is just really responding to that translation and then for my, own, my own personal edification and my devotion time with God um, but I'm going to read out of the NIV right now uh, so Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 4, 11 through 15, and then 19 and 20. So verse 4 says this, even if you have been banished from the most distant land under the heavens, from there the Lord your God will gather you and bring you back. In the verse 11. Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask, Who will ascend into heaven and get it and proclaim it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it? No, the word, verse 14, is very near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart. And the CEB translation says, it is waiting for you to do it. Then verse 15, see, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction, Verse 19, this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses. I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children, your descendants may live. And that you may love the Lord your God, obey his voice, and cling to him. I'm not going to, I want to recount my whole sermon. It is online. Um. If you want to see it, uh, go to our, you uh, well, go to our YouTube channel. Uh, I think it's just Devonair Community Church. Uh, and we've been recording them and posting them there. Our, our video, uh, we just haven't been doing the audio since we got back to in person. Um, and I think it's just, we have too many new things that we're trying to figure out with live streaming and everything that we just kind of gave up. So if you want to hear it, uh, I don't know, go to YouTube, download it, and then you can just listen to it. You don't have to necessarily watch it. You can just listen to it, but whatever. Uh, Moses Moses starts this chapter. Moses is getting ready. They're getting ready to cross over into the promised land. So I'm just assuming if you're listening to this, most of you, I think I think most of my listeners, you're, you're, you're pastors or you're in the process to become pastors, you know, moving towards ordination. Uh, and I know that there's some of you who are um, uh, very committed lay people, uh, very involved in your local community church. So, so I'm just going to talk to you like that's who you are. Uh, some of you, I don't know, maybe there's some young Christians, new Christians that have stumbled across this, but anyway, uh, Moses is preaching this. It's like his big sermon, right? In Deuteronomy. And he's get, they're getting ready to cross over into the promised land. And he's going to pass the baton. In chapter 31, he passes the baton to Joshua. And Joshua is going to lead them across the Jordan River, um, across the Jordan, and enter into the promised land. And Moses knows that he, he doesn't get to go into the promised land. You'll have to go back and read why. I'm not going to go into all of why he doesn't get to go into the promised land. Um, I think maybe I should have spent more time on that in my sermon because there's a few people who had questions about it. And so he doesn't get to cross uh, over into the promised land. And I think that the Lord knew, and you know, if Moses went into the promised land, they would try to set him up as King, uh, maybe even worship him as if he was Pharaoh uh, like the Egyptians worshipped Pharaoh. I know that there's a, an actual reason, him striking the rock, and he's supposed to speak to the rock, and, and that's why. But even if you read that passage, <clears throat> when the Lord says, you know, because of this, you're not going to cross into the promised land, it still seems unclear exactly what the problem was, other than the fact that he was the leader and he was supposed to set a, a different example, a better example. So, uh, there just seems to be uh, more to the story that we just don't get the privilege of, of hearing and seeing. And, um, but as Moses is giving this speech, he, he almost starts this speech off with this, uh, Hey, uh, I'm about to kind of lay down this command, this charge, uh, this uh, opportunity for you to choose life or to choose death. And I know that you're not going to make the right choice. Uh, So I'm just going to tell you up front that no matter what happens, the Lord will come for you. No matter what happens, the Lord will bring you back. Right? In this passage, Moses says, choose life. I mean, this is the passage, and, we, and we've taken it out of context. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people preach this and talk about abortion. And uh, I mean, you can twist it and make it work however way you want it to work, but um, you know, this has a very specific context. And, and he's, he's saying, choose life, but he's also reminding us that we are going to make wrong choices, We're going to mess up, we're we're going to sin. Sometimes we're just going to make bad choices. Sometimes we're going to make uninformed choices. Sometimes they're going to be outright sinful choices, right? But we always have an opportunity to choose again. We always have that opportunity to choose again. And so as we're going into the series, I think one of the things I really want people to hear and to understand is that We always have that opportunity. And maybe we think, man, I've messed up so many times, I can't choose again. Like, no, there's an unlimited number of times that we can choose again. We can choose life. We can choose God. We can choose to follow Christ. Now, in Verse 11, the NIV says, what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you, and it's not beyond your reach. Uh, The the CEB says, here's my command. Um, And that word there is charge, um, you know, command, charge, but it can also be interpreted appointment or commission. So what if we think about this idea of choosing life as being appointed Or being commissioned, right? Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Jesus says, you know, I'm sending you out, going to all the world uh, to make disciples of all nations, teaching them everything that I have commanded you, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So what if we think about this idea of choosing life as our appointment or our commission we have been appointed and commissioned to choose life rather than choosing death and he says it's not too difficult for you and it's not beyond your reach and it in some ways it's almost like Moses is a little tongue-in-cheek here because he he said right before this okay now even if you do get banished even if you do end up in exile Uh, the Lord's going to bring you back. He's going to come for you. You know, he's going to gather you again. Like there's always going to be another opportunity. The Lord always wants to extend grace and mercy and forgiveness. That's his nature. Uh, He says, it's not too difficult for you and it's not beyond your reach, but we know it is. We know it is too difficult and beyond our reach. We know this because in Ezekiel chapter 36, the prophet Ezekiel while they're in exile says, it's okay Uh, I'm coming Uh, I'm going to remove your heart of stone, I'm going to give you a heart of flesh Ezekiel 36 verses 25 through 27 and I'm going to put my spirit in you and I'm going to write my laws on your heart. In other words I'm going to fill you and empower you to choose life. I'm going to empower you and fill you so that you can fulfill this appointment and this commission that i have given to you and you don't have to go to heaven to find it and you don't have to cross the ocean it's not out there and i think even as believers in christ those of us who've been following him for a while even those of us who are filled with his holy spirit have this tendency to keep searching out there rather than searching within. Now, i me explain that because some of you just got wigged out. Oh, the answer is within you. Well, the answer is within you if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, right? What's Moses say? He says, you don't have to go out there searching. The word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. And it's waiting for you to obey. Now, Paul, in in Romans chapter 10, he expounds on this. He takes these words from Moses. He translates them into the gospel and, and says uh, that, you know, if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, then you will be saved. Because anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, and it's not just... It's not just anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved in Romans chapter 10 when he's talking that it's not just that we'll be saved from right eternal damnation, from curses, from death. It's not just that we'll have eternal life. Uh, it's also that we'll be saved from our bad choices, from our sin. We'll be saved from failing to choose life because it is difficult. And it is beyond our reach. You know, I've been walking with Christ for a while. You know, this is is, is after Romans 8. So Romans 8 is, for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the law of the Spirit uh, has set us free from the law of sin and death. Right? The law of the Spirit is able to do what the law of Moses couldn't do. Right? We needed a better law, the Hebrew says. We needed something better than the first one. We needed the law of the Spirit dwelling in us that empowers us to choose life. And it's waiting for you. The Spirit within us is waiting for us to choose him, to seek him, to ask him, to empower us, to surrender ourselves to him so that he can cleanse us. And empower us. It's not too difficult in Christ. It is too difficult in the flesh. But it is not too difficult or beyond our reach if we are in Christ, in the spirit of Christ. And so he's given us some options here. He's given us the option to choose life and goodness. Uh, and of course that, that Hebrew word there uh, is welfare or benefits so think jeremiah 29 11, for i know the plans i have for you not plans to harm you but plans to prosper you so it's the same word there welfare for your welfare for your benefit god has good plans he good plans for our own welfare or you can choose death and curse and in the hebrew for curse there is adversity and brokenness So, you know, if there's adversity and brokenness in our life, it's because either we have chosen or someone else has chosen for us, right? Adversity and brokenness come about because of our own bad choices and then sometimes because of the bad choices of others. But I have given you an option. So here's my recommendation, Moses says. Here's my recommendation. Choose life. Choose life. And keep choosing life. Even though you think you can't keep choosing or that you, you can't choose again, he says, no, you can continue to choose again. You can continue to choose life. First 1 John 1, nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So we can continue to choose and choose again. And he says, this is what I want you to choose. Like if we want to have full life, fullness in Christ, we need to choose love. and We need to choose to obey his voice. And we need to choose to stay close to him. Right. So love love, he says, love God, love the Lord your God. Deuteronomy six, verses four and five. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength. I I read this article recently and it just kind of inflamed me because they were saying, How about uh, the heart of the Jewish faith and the heart of the Christian faith is about keeping his commandments? No. Both the heart of the Jewish faith and the heart of the Christian faith are one and the same. In the Old Testament, hear O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength and your neighbor as yourself. And in the New Testament, it is Jesus is Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And your neighbor as yourself—that is the heart. So we're choosing love. We're choosing to love God, and we're choosing to love our neighbor. And then we choose to both hear and obey His voice. Um, and so uh, I took everyone to John chapter ten, and most of us uh, have John ten ten memorized, right? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life, and give it abundantly. But if we back up a little bit, we back up to verse 3. He says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, Jesus, or the shepherd. And the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his sheep by name and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes out ahead of him, them and the sheep follow him because they, know, because they know his voice. They'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Then he goes on to explain, because people listening don't understand. Everyone who came before me were thieves and robbers. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I'm the, I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. Whoever enters through me will be saved, and he will come in and go out and find pasture. I am the good shepherd. They will go in, and they will go out, and they will find pasture. And then our job is to open the gate to let Jesus in. Right? That's, that's, that's our only job. Those of us who are preachers, who are ministers, even those of you who are lay leaders, who are teaching, uh, in your Bible studies, in your Sunday school class, our job is to open the gate for Jesus. We are not the gatekeepers. We don't get to decide who comes in and who goes out. The only thing we get to do is to open the gate for Jesus. We proclaim Jesus, and then Jesus, Jesus calls His own, and He calls them by name. And then they will follow him. And when he calls them by name, he says that he leads them out. He leads them out. So this idea, uh, we, we kind of get this backwards, right? We, we want to get everybody to come in. That's our job. Like American pastors. Well, we got to get everybody to come in. We got to get everybody. Except that Jesus wants to lead everybody out. We're trying to get everybody to come in. And he's like, um, but I really want to lead them out. You know, he wants to lead them out of bondage right to sin he wants to leave them out of slavery to sin john is very much creating a moses picture here that jesus is completing what what moses didn't right moses didn't take them into the promised land and maybe that's one of the reasons why he wasn't allowed to take them into the promised land jesus is the one who takes us leads us out He's the one who completes the process of leading us out of slavery and bondage to sin. But he leads us out so that we can find pasture. And there becomes this time in our life where, as he says, they come in and they go out. Where, where there's this freedom for us to flow in the spirit of Christ. We should get to this place where we have such fullness and abundance in Christ in our spirit, we we don't have to have gates anymore, right? We don't have to have parameters. I'm not saying people can just go crazy, but I, I think you hear what I'm saying. There should come a place where we are so sensitive to his voice that we're constantly choosing life. Because we're constantly choosing to listen to his voice. Because we don't have to worry about it. We don't have to worry about the gate being left open. Because he gives us that freedom to move through this world and through this life that we only live once. And We can live it with such fullness and such abundance that no matter where we are, where we go, we can clearly hear his voice. Whether we turn to the right or the left. We hear his voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. And he's going before us. We're not going to follow a stranger's voice. We run from the stranger's voice. We recognize his voice. We're not confused. Oh, maybe that's Jesus. Maybe it's not Jesus. And we get to a place where we have so much fullness in Christ That we just keep choosing life and choosing life and choosing life. So if you've stopped choosing life, you can choose again. And the way you do that is to listen to his voice and then stay close to him. Uh, One of the translations says cling. Cling to God. Cling to Jesus. Because he will never leave you astray. This passage in John Uh, Ten, I was actually sharing the story of the Good Shepherd uh, uh, Sunday afternoon in a senior center, and the activities director always sits with us. And she says, wait, 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 can you go back to that part about the thief? And and so I reread it about the thief, you know, the robbers and the thieves. uh, They don't come through the gate. They climb over the fence to steal the sheep. And she's like, wait a minute! I don't get that. And I said, well, the the gatekeeper's job is to only open the gate for the shepherd, because it's it's his sheep, it's his it's his pen, it's his. Sh-. And so they're trained to only they know what the shepherd looks like, and they only open the gate for the shepherd. So anybody else, they're not going to open the gate for them. So anybody else who comes, if they're a robber or a thief, they have to climb over, sneak over the fence in order. To get the sheep. And of course, as as gatekeepers, we open the door for Jesus. And we very much know who he is, what he looks like, and what he sounds like. Although, we still even have to be careful with that analogy when we read this passage. Because Jesus goes on to say, well, actually, I am the gate. I am both the gate and I am also the good shepherd. Sometimes we want to put ourselves in the story too quickly uh, instead of paying attention to what our role is. Um, And in the story of the Good Shepherd in John 10, very much like in Deuteronomy chapter 30, our job is to love God, to hear his voice, to follow him, and to stay close to him. And if you do that, you will experience full life in Christ.